And so then the only answer is to be happy now, to live your life now. I almost missed out on this presentation because I was so focused on what I'm going to do in September when we're in London. I said, stop, stop, stop. You're here now. I don't want to look back on my life like an Instagram story and just remember what I did. I want to be there while I'm there. Welcome to the New Wave Entrepreneur, where we dive headfirst into Web 3.0, personal sovereignty, spirituality, and psychology. These conversations are unfiltered access to brilliant minds and actionable advice that will prepare you for the rapidly changing world. So jump in. The water is warm and the tide is rising. Ah, my friends, welcome back to another episode of the New Wave Podcast. Daniel DiPiazza checking in with you here. So happy to have you. And today is a throwback Thursday. I'm going to share with you one of my keynotes from 2019. This is at a speaking event that I hosted as part of a tour called Wielding Power. And this was hosted in, uh, in Soho in New York in July, I think it was June 2019. And this was a series of new events that honestly uh, really was the forerunner for um, for the New Wave podcast, The New Wave Entrepreneur, because wielding power and the concepts there within uh, are ever-present in the things I talk about here in New Wave. And that book uh, for which that, that series of talks uh, was originally created for is still in my brain and still a lot of it's on my hard drive too. And eventually at some point, uh, maybe you'll see that that creation. But uh, this talk is more of my personal story on how I got to the point that I'm at, some of the most interesting coincidences in my life and how those turned into uh, into transformational moments and how all of that kind of mixes into the psychedelic nature of, of my life experience. So uh, I hope you enjoy this conversation with uh, with a live audience in New York. And while you're listening to this, make sure that you're dropping or you're listening to everything else we're dropping. We have really great interviews too on the show. And as you know, this is a daily show now. So we have episodes on, or we have interviews on Tuesday, Wednesday, and usually Thursdays, although today is going to be a solo with me. And we have some really incredible um, daily or, or, or weekly solo episodes as well uh, with different topics from from things I'm reviewing and reading in books and uh, news interviews and things I'm seeing online and, and commenting on to basically everything I find interesting in the world and different concepts around life and mindset and mastery. So make sure you're checking out everything that we're dropping. Uh, and of course, make sure that you, you like and subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you listen to this on, uh, Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, all that. Leave a comment, leave a review, and check out newwaveentrepreneur.com where we have all the stuff that we're working on on the show, including our next New Wave Dinner Experience, which is happening July 16th in Austin, Texas. And you can apply by going to newwaveentrepreneur.com, uh, which is also going to be in our show notes. And you can apply to get an invitation to our, our exclusive dinner experience, which is, you know, this is how we're we're doing education. It's not that we don't value uh, book learning or doing courses and all that stuff, but I feel that the best uh, experiences and the best transformations come from the, from the, seemingly random opportunity of meeting people that you never would have met before. And there's a there's a big X factor that comes in building connections and relationships with people because whereas learning linearly and uh, whereas taking in information to, you know, achieve things, you know, I'll learn how to do Facebook ads, uh, you know, take this freelancing course, they're all great. You can never replicate or duplicate the synergistic effect of meeting someone, having an incredible conversation, building a partnership, building a friendship, and all of that is what happens at these events. So make sure you check out newwaveentrepreneur.com to get updates on when those dinners are going to be and where they're at. And we also have the release of Power Packs, which happened just this week. This is my uh, new mixtape that will help you to level up your mind and your business. And it's basically designed to help you mentor yourself by asking you the most important pivotal questions uh, to change you know, what you're doing for the better. So make sure you check that out too. You can go to newwaveentrepreneur.com. I also set up a separate site for that, which is powerpacks.life. And that's also the, the name of our IG. So anyway, all that to say, much love guys. Let's jump into this next episode. It's, it's funny, you can do as many projects as you want, 
test yourself as much as possible. You can do scary things over and over. It doesn't really get any easier. It just gets, just gets a little bit more intense each time. I, I was, uh, I was thinking in the car over here, what do I want to say tonight? Because the last moving power I was talking about things like paradigms, shifting the paradigm and, and talking really philosophically and all this stuff's great. It's, it's great to talk about stuff. And if you, if you follow my work online, I'm sure you've read me talk about that type of, that type of philosophy. But tonight I'm thinking more about a journey. This is a really special moment for me because it was actually just about a year ago. I was, um, I was on my honeymoon and it was three o'clock in the morning. I couldn't sleep. And, and I went out to the, the patio and I just had a, a download, a drop. I said, I need to do a world speaking tour. This wasn't something I've ever considered. It wasn't something that, uh, that anyone prompted me to do, but I had this image in my mind of me doing exactly what I'm doing now, but see the gap between the image in your mind and the reality is always the hard part. That's the hard part. And I had no idea how I was going to bridge that gap between my idea and the actual creation. And so to have it happen now, to have a year gone by and to see this actually come to pass has been, um, I mean, straight up in the hotel, I cried. I was like, wow, you know, I can't believe it. Uh, happy tears though. Tears of, of seeing something born. Don't you cry when a new life comes into the world? You know, that's what this is. So been thinking a lot about my journey and what that means. What does journey even mean? You know, we use that word a lot. It's almost getting overused, you know, in, uh, in, in my circle or like, or it's, it's like its own meme. Now we're on the journey. Everyone's in the journey, you know, and everyone is laughing. It's probably been on a journey with me. And, um, so what is the journey thinking about my journey, thinking about what it means, thinking about, you know, my own evolution and if there are lessons to be extracted from it. And so let's just take it back to the beginning. Um, 6, 15 AM, 1988, May 4th. Uh, I was born in Detroit about two weeks early, premature. And I still have a scar right here on my, my left, my left pec from where they had to inflate my lung cause it collapsed as soon as I came out. So they weren't even sure that I was gonna make it out of the hospital. And, uh, my mom took me home and, you know, the interesting thing about having, having a teenage mom is that as you get older, you realize how young a teenager is, you know? When you're five and your mom is 17 years older than you, she still seems old. When you're 31 and she's still in her forties, it seems young. And I can't imagine having had a child at 17. Lots of people have done it. I just can't imagine it. So it's only through, through her that I'm here. And my parents didn't stay together. They were in high school. That's okay. I get it. I spent a lot of my, my younger childhood thinking about that, thinking about what it meant that I was raised by just my mom and didn't have my dad in life. And, um, the good thing is that the house was full of love. It was always full of love. And for most of my childhood, we lived either in the same house with my grandmother or for a while we lived in a duplex and we lived in one side, my mom and I, and she lived on the other side. And I'm thinking back now and I remember the lawn outside and I can see the teal shutters. We painted them teal because like my grandmother was obsessed with that color. So everything was teal and the lawn had a crescent shaped patch of dead grass from me walking from one side to the other, constantly going to see her. And so really I was raised by two moms. If you do the math, you think about it. My grandmother had me when she was 19. My mom had me when she was 17. So only 38 years was my grandmother when I was born. So that's the age that, that a lot of people are having children now, you know? And, um, and I, I didn't ever feel like I was left, but going through that first period of, of life without the father figure, the way that I've been explaining it to people who ask what it's like, at least in my situation was, it's almost like walking around with one shoe. You can feel that something's missing and you can keep going, but you're off balance. So I felt off balance for a few decades, but I kept going and I did my thing. You know, I feel like I'm fortunate enough to say that, you know, elementary school, middle school, even up through high school, relatively uneventful in a good way, in a good way. I, I just did what I was supposed to do. I got good grades. I didn't really do too much bad shit. Um, and I kind of just stayed the line and things got interesting when I went to college. 
went to USF, go Bulls. Ooh. And the first year in college, something started to shift in me. I felt a stirring inside. Joseph Campbell, famous mythologist, talks about the hero's journey. And the reason why the hero's journey is so important is because um, Campbell went around the world and he, he researched and he interviewed with native tribes, ancient people. He read through um, different history from all different cultures, especially different cultures that had never interacted with each other. And what he found was that the human story and our ability to tell stories and the way that we tell stories, even though disconnected by distance, is connected in mind and in heart. We all tell stories and receive stories in a similar way. And the hero's journey is one of those archetypes that we're living out whether or not we know it. It's an invisible archetype that we live. And um, so I felt this stirring in me to do something, to be something, to go somewhere, just to move. That is what I now recognize as the call to adventure. Um, we're all the heroes of our own journey. You know, we're all on our own path. And it's actually worth thinking about, you know, we never would compare two great heroes in their journeys, would we? You wouldn't compare Luke Skywalker to Harry Potter. You know, you wouldn't say, ah, oh, you know, he should have done it this way. He should have done it more like Luke or, you know, he should have done it faster. You know, we never compare two different heroes in the speed of their journey or the quality or the results. We just appreciate learning from them and extracting the lessons. All heroes have lessons to bring us back. And I, I think now that it's even more clear to me that we shouldn't compare our journey to anybody else's journey. That's why it's personal. That's why it's yours. That's why it's unique. And I felt this stirring, which I recognize now as the call to adventure. And I knew I had to change something. And so I went overseas and, and I studied, I studied abroad and for about a year traveling and I was living in Greece and I was studying the culture. And one thing that I think is a really important part of you developing yourself and developing or full potential is being able to explore way outside what you're comfortable with, because it doesn't, you know, your, your final form doesn't lie inside of the house you've already built. There's more. And so stretching myself, traveling, learning different languages. And I can remember a specific point on that journey overseas, been moving around different countries. And I was on a boat headed to Egypt. You could see in the distance as kind of cleared and the clouds way. I saw the coast of Egypt come into view. And I just had this moment where I realized I created that. I created that. I didn't have to be there. There were a lot of things that could have stopped me from getting there. I mean, one of the things was I, my visa paperwork was so hard to get just to get over there. And there were all these hoops I had to jump through, but having this vision of going there and making this move, not really understanding why, you know, breaking up with my long-term girlfriend at that point to go there, kind of leaving what I knew behind to explore what I was feeling, what, whatever this movement in me was trying to express, I went and I saw those clouds part. And as the, as the ship was rolling in, I thought I created this, I created this. And it was a moment of pride for me, 19 years old. And something clicked in me at that moment that made me understand that this was just one example in my life of which there were many already. And not only now was I realizing that I had the power to create and take what was in my mind into physical reality. And that's not unique to me. We all have that. You only have to examine your life to see where that's occurring in every single thing that you do in every, in every action that you take and every reaction that stems from that is creating something new, which then you respond to. And so the trip was great. Spent a lot of time thinking about what I wanted to do, who I wanted to be. A lot of times when you are outside of your normal comfort zone, you can think about things from a bigger perspective from a broader perspective, when you're not necessarily held down by the same friends or the same house or the same city, country, states, you have the opportunity to take a step back and evaluate what you really like to do. In my mind, I just got a flash. I said, oh, I'm going to be an actor. And that was it. And just like that, I dropped everything that didn't feel in line with that. So I was in pre-med at the time because that's the best paying major I could have been in. You know, that's what they told me I should do. I'd already failed biology. I don't understand why I thought this was going to be for me. It's like, but I, I, this is what I wanted to do. And I graduated college early and I immediately moved to Atlanta and something interesting happened to me when I got there, I got an email one morning. Actually, it was a Facebook message. I opened up my computer. It was maybe 
seven or eight in the morning, sun was still coming through. And I got a, a Facebook message from someone I'd never met before, Michelle. And she said, Hey, Daniel, I know you don't know me. And again, think in context, I'm 20 years old at this point. Hey, I know you don't know me, but I'm engaged to your father and he wants to find you and he wants to meet you. I'd never even heard my father's voice for the 20 years of my existence. So to have this random person Facebook messaging me in a time when Facebook was really just for friends, it blew my mind. It blew my mind. It blew my fucking mind. <laughs> and, and then another chapter in my life started and I didn't, I didn't know that that was what was going to happen at 7.35 AM on a Tuesday. I didn't know. And a new chapter had begun. And so I started building this relationship with my father and so many interesting things, even in the first few conversations we had, you know, one thing when I heard his voice, I heard my voice. I said, wow, that's me. It's just a little bit blacker and bigger. You know, most of you guys have met him. Some of you guys have met him. So, you know, like 300 fucking pounds, but I had, I had the choice about what type of feeling I wanted to have in our initial interaction. Because if you hadn't heard from one of your parents in 20 years, and you hadn't felt like they'd made the effort to reach out to you, and you didn't even know if they were dead or alive, how would you react to that? And I can tell you that most people, well, I don't know most people. I only know me, but many people might not react kindly. The only reason why he's here in my life to this day is because for those 20 years, when he wasn't there, my mom did not trash him. And there are a lot of us who are in a similar situation or have been in similar situations where one parent doesn't provide what's needed and out of hurt and out of pain and out of confusion, oftentimes the other parent, they're going to be upset for years or decades. And that's going to show you're going to feel that my grandmother who had my mother, when she was 19, had a similar situation where my grandfather and her did not stay together. High school relationships don't last that. And her reaction to that because of other things he'd done as well was one of hurt and pain and constant derailment of my mother and her father's relationship. And they didn't have a good one. And I think because of that, my mom picked up on that and whether it was subconscious or whether it was intentional, she didn't trash him. And that is what allowed me to have a clean slate with him. That's the only thing that allowed me to have a clean slate with him. But I can tell you that that clean slate and my ability to build that relationship changed my life. It absolutely changed my life. I could say that I would be the same if I'd gone on the way I was because I was already doing okay, but there's nothing that can replace your father. There's nothing. And so we started building that relationship and have you guys heard of the, uh, the, uh, like the philosophy behind nature versus nurture, where do you get your traits from? Is it from your environment or is it from your parents? Is it from culture? We don't really know. There's a lot of theories about how we are the way we are and why we're like that. One of the things that struck me right away which really made me a fan of the nature, which is that you're born with certain traits that you appreciate certain things because of your genetics is that in our very first conversation, when I told my father that I had just gotten back from Greece, he said, that's incredible. I speak Greek too. You don't meet a lot of 40 year old black dudes from Detroit who speak Greek. And I'd always had an obsession with Mediterranean culture. So would he, and I'd always have a fascination with that language. And so would he, and I thought this is fucked up. This is unreal. And so the relationship started to build. We started talking every day and, um, I don't know how else to say it. She ended up leaving his fiance, coming down to Florida and marrying my mom after not having seen her for 20 years. And they've been married now for 12. You just can't write that shit. You can't write it. It's too, it's too real. And from there, again, thinking about this journey and thinking about how you never quite can tell what the next chapter is going to bring and being encouraged by the fact that I now had this new this surge of energy because my dad was back and it was like in a good way, like we were good. I felt whole in a way where I didn't know that I was incomplete before. I, I didn't know that I was missing something until I, until I felt what it was like to be completed in that way. And it, it gave me at least at 19, 20, the confidence to start going out and just being me, just, just being me. Hey, this is Daniel. Thank you so much for listening to the New Wave Podcast. We're going to get you right back to the show. But I wanted to tell you about this new mixtape that I just dropped. That's right. I dropped a mixtape and it's called Power Packs. 
So I know you are listening to this podcast and many others because you want to improve your life, you want to build your business, and you want to live well, and me too. And you know what I've discovered over the years? It's that even though I've learned from many mentors and teachers, the best mentor in my life has been, drumroll, myself. That's right. And and I know it's the same for you. It just has to be because the truth is you can mentor yourself and you already have the answers to your own problems. What you need are the right questions to ask to spark your problem solving machine. You have a creative genius for solving problems. You have to ask yourself the right questions and power packs will help you to do that. This is a five volume audio series designed to dramatically improve the quality of your life and business in just a single listen, but not because it contains any answers because it asks you the actual questions you need to know to get your brain pumping. And in these five volumes, we cover, the first volume is all about success and and business and money. The second one is generating mental and physical health. The third one is all about strengthening your most valuable relationships. The fourth one is about unlocking your hidden creative genius. And the fifth one is all about thinking and being strategic. And these volumes are all available for free. Now we've just released the first one. So if you wanna learn about success with business and money, and you want to actually ask yourself the right questions to get you closer to successful outcomes there, then just go and download it. You can go to Spotify and get it, or you can go to newwaveentrepreneur.com where you've already probably spending a good amount of time and you can download it for free uh, right there. And you'll also get an outline of all the questions that I ask in that pack and my notes to help you move even faster through your business and your life goals. Now we're also gonna do a limited edition merch run and some other bonuses to celebrate the launch of this series. So make sure you check it out at newwaveentrepreneur.com. And of course you can stream it for free and download everything for free. Much love. Thank you so much for taking the time out to listen to the show. Download Power Packs now. Let's get back to the episode. You know, and so I thought, all right, I'm going to Atlanta. I'm going to pursue movies. And if you guys have read my book, you know, you, I told you kind of how it goes. And I was like, we're at the restaurant and trying to do films at the same time. But the interesting thing about creating films is that it's literally the embodiment of the creation in the mind's eye to the 3D reality. My hunger, my urge, my natural inclination has always been twofold. It's always been connection and creation, connecting with others, sharing my creations, connecting with others, sharing my creations. And that's why, you know, regular work never really did it for me. Not because I'm lazy or because I don't like money, but just because there's not enough connection and creation in most of the things that I had been doing at that point. So I started making these films. And even in my mind at that time, understanding the fact that I was the creator and that I was creating everything that I saw in front of me. And I decided that I was going to make this movie called Blossoms for Clara. So I stayed up every night after my shifts at the restaurant and I sit in my, my dark room and I was really getting into the brooding artist persona. I get my coffee and I'd be like, what would Ernest Hemingway do right now? So I'd like get some scotch or some whiskey or something or whatever he would do. And, um, and I began the process of writing and through that process of writing, finding myself, finding that creativity and slowly things started to pull into place. See, when you put yourself out there and you commit to doing projects or things are important to you, the pieces fall into place. I know it's hard to believe this, but a lot of people think that the way that you do things in the world is you have to see it to believe it. Like, oh, I'll believe that I'm capable when I see the results, but it doesn't work like that. You have to be able to see the results first in order to understand you're capable. And from that, the pieces start to fall into line. And then when the pieces do line up, you gain the confidence that you can create it. It starts up here. A lot of people aren't willing to feel that they can do it until they see it, but it doesn't work like that. It's reversed. And so I began to put this film together and along the way, starting to find myself and find my why could really only find your why when you're in motion, when you're doing the things that you think you should be doing, even if you're not doing them perfectly. And so I learned that, wow, I really like putting things together. Well, 10 years later, we're here. So obviously I found that I really liked writing. I found that I really liked the business aspect of film. Ah, that was the spark. That was the spark, the business aspect. I liked, I liked being able to put a team together, have a budget, figure out what the processes were going to be, manage them and then see the final product. That's entrepreneurship. I just, I, I didn't know that's what that was, but that's what that is. And so I raised the money for this first film. It costs about $13,000 and it's a 13 minute film. So it was thousand dollars a minute. And that's the most expensive thing I've ever done, but it worked. And even along the way, noticing the things fall into place as they do. See, spirit moves in mysterious ways 
And as Dr. Brett Jones would say, the, the whispers start. And if you don't listen, they turn into roars. So you have to be able to listen and pick up on the subtle signals, but they're all around you. The things that are happening to you and for you, they're subtle at first. I was walking down the street in Atlanta, daydreaming, thinking about how I was going to pull this off. And I saw what looked like an art gallery. Um, and I thought, oh, this is really interesting. It just caught my eye. And somebody told me, oh, go in there. You should go in there and check it out. So I went in the art gallery and I was looking at different pieces by local artists. But the art gallery in the back opened to a huge warehouse that looked to be a little bit more than an art gallery. And the owner of the space came to me and I found out that the art gallery was really just a front piece for what behind it was a homeless shelter. And the artists were actually homeless people who were creating art and selling it in order to themselves develop entrepreneurship. And that studio space and homeless shelter actually became the set for the movie that I was about to shoot. And all those artists, after working with them and talking to them and running into this place randomly, became my set decorators and my designers and the people who painted literally the bricks on the set of my film. Not having anticipated that was going to be the result of me just listening to the voice. Starting to develop this process, starting to develop this process of hearing and listening and paying attention to things that are going on around me. And I put this film out. It's really fun. It was, it was a great experience. And, um, and I thought to myself, what's next? You know, what does this actually mean? What do I want to do from here? And I, I wasn't, I wasn't hundred percent sure. I wasn't hundred percent clear on it. I thought maybe I would just keep raising money and making more movies, but that seemed hard. It seemed really, really hard. Um, because I didn't have a system yet. I didn't really have a business to fund this. The first way that I got this one film off the ground was just asking for money, but I couldn't do that again. So I thought I need to start something that will allow me to make the money to make these films. And that's how, that's how I became an entrepreneur. That's how I fell into it because I was following the path laid out in front of me. This journey that you're on, the one thing you have to understand is that it has to be voluntary and it has to be hundred percent personal. We're all going to be in relationships with friends and family and people that we care about, and we're going to want to support them and we're going to have to support them. And it's, that's part of your, your path as well, but you can't do this for anybody else, but you, you can't, you can't be coerced into following your vision for yourself. It's your vision. So you have to be courageous enough to listen to the voice. And although I wasn't sure exactly what it meant to, to make these changes committed to it, then I started finding different ways to make money and teaching people. And, um, you can read my book if you want to hear the whole biography, but the important part was that I made a leap and from there I moved to California again, another change, another new group of people, another interesting circumstance. And I had to adapt quickly. And you know, the crazy thing is along the way, you're going to reach points where stagnation occurs. You know, we're all kind of trying to find this version of ourselves that we can be happy with. I think all of us have this picture in our mind of what it would be like to be the most evolved version of ourselves. You know, I call this the super self, the most physically, intellectually, spiritually, financially evolved version of yourself. We all have this picture of what that would look like in our minds. And we're all trying to pursue that in our own way. And that's what I was on the search for. I just didn't quite know the pathway. I knew the destination, but not the path, always listening to the cues. And, you know, talking about you for a minute on this journey, on this journey to super self, becoming the most evolved version of yourself, it's not without struggle. It's not without periods of pain and hardship and people will, people will die and friendships will dissolve and relationships will end and babies will be born and people will move and things will shift. And still through all that, staying centered in who you are and what your purpose is and what your path is, it can be really challenging. It can be really challenging because there might be even times where you feel like you need to take a break from your purpose, from your vision for yourself, because someone else needs you because someone else is in pain. But again, staying on that path, being true to yourself is the only way that you're going to get to that place of that super self. And it sounds cliche, stay true to yourself, stay true to yourself, but think about all the external information that we're getting that coerces us, that urges us, that nudges us to not quite do the thing that we know we should be doing. Everyone in here has that vision. And deep down, if I were to ask you what you would need to do to move in that direction confidently, you know what it is that you have to do, you know. So it's listening to that voice. Mm -hmm. So moved to California with Sarah, who 
later became my wife. And again, starting from ground zero, wondering what the next phase would bring. Thinking about the hero's journey, thinking about Joseph Campbell, how does that journey actually look? The hero hears the call to adventure, right? And they know something is out there for them, but they have to embark on the path themselves. They can't be coerced into it. And in the hero's journey, they always encounter obstacles. They always encounter struggles. They always encounter things that they have to go through in order to bring back that holy grail, you know, that, that truth, that prize, whatever it is that they want to bring to their people, to their tribe. The point of us evolving, you know, the point of this conversation that we're having tonight is for you to become the best version of yourself, not just because it benefits you, but because it benefits everybody around you. Humanity is in a very interesting place right now. We're in a very interesting place. To be honest, I think we're at a critical, a critical stage. Um, there's an astrophysicist, his name is Michio Kaku, and he says that there are different stages of civilization. Alex is laughing, we're talking about this in the car. There are different stages of civilization. And the human race is right now moving between stage zero and stage one. And what that means is that right now we're at a point where we've reached a critical juncture. We have just enough intelligence to be very, very, very dangerous. You know, our science has evolved to the point where it's magic. I look at my, my cell phone and I have no idea how it works. The majority of the tools I use that I, I think are essential to my life, maybe our ancestors wouldn't see them as essential, but now I've integrated as essential into my life. I don't actually know how they work. And at a larger scale, we're so deep into our daily interactions with people that we don't even see what's going on from a higher perspective. So a lot of us don't really understand how the world is moving because we're so stuck in it, but things are moving quickly. We're at a critical stage now where we have to decide how we're going to interact with our environment. It doesn't really matter whether what you believe about global warming or climate change, that's, that's irrelevant. You know, um, those are positions which shouldn't even be arguments, but the fact that there is even any debate about whether we should take care of the earth just shows that we're not there yet, that we're not completely evolved. Even dogs know not to shit where they sleep. You know, cats can go in litter boxes, but we can't clean up behind ourselves. And we're supposed to be the most intelligent species. I do, however, think that a small, but increasingly, increasingly strong group of us is growing and evolving into the next leaders of this generation, you know, of this this new civilization that's moving forward. And I'm not sure whether we're going to make it. I'm just being honest. I'm not sure, you know, before Stephen Hawking passed away, I think last year, or the year before, he basically gave us a, a hundred year window to figure out how to leave the planet or go down with it. I'm not sure if he's right. I mean, he, he's one of the smartest people that we've had so far, but doesn't mean he's right. We're all fallible. I think there is an opportunity for us to change the trajectory of where humanity is going. It's not all doom and gloom. There's lots of good stuff happening, but overall our trajectory is one of a group of people who don't quite understand the power that they wield. We all feel that we're separate from nature. You know, we feel that, um, that we were just kind of plopped here on earth and we have to figure out what to do. We see ourselves as separate all the while we are nature. You are nature. Your biological parents aren't your parents. <laughs> They're the earth. You're made of the same constituent materials that the grass and the dirt and the trees and the sky and all the other animals consist of. And yet we see ourselves as separate. And because of that separation, we allow ourselves unconsciously to hurt each other and to hurt our environment and to hurt this planet. And you have to realize that you are the earth. You are nature. You're not separate from it. Start to internalize this realization. And so starting to realize these things, not being able to put words on it, not being able to name it, not being able to really even develop a full philosophy around it, but starting to understand these things as I went through this journey of creating my path and along the way, trying all different things to awaken myself, to understand what it was that I was supposed to be doing. Sometimes you have to create a little bit of noise in order to be able to hear when it's quiet, just like you have to mess up your room in order to clean it. You have to create some momentum and a little bit of friction in your life to be able to get a better perspective and understanding of what's happening. So I tried a bunch of things, you know, all different types of pursuits, everything that goes bump in the night from, you know, meditating and chanting and, you know, going to Peru and doing crazy sacred ceremonies and 
all these different types of things to try to figure out what it was inside of me that had to come out, what it was. And, um, this is how, this is how my path has evolved. Still finding that, still figuring out what it means to truly, truly express my essence, finding every year that my expression of that changes. One of the ways that I've been able to do this. And one of the ways that I've been blessed to do this is through these journeys with plant medicine. Do you guys want me to talk about that a bit? Yeah. I hesitate a bit because I don't want to make this taboo. I almost feel like maybe it's just the bubble that I'm in, or maybe it's what's actually happening, but it's becoming a bigger part of the public awareness and the global awareness that there are tools that we have access to that will allow us to see into spaces that have always been there and that will always be there but aren't part of our everyday awareness. And I didn't even know that these tools existed. I didn't even know this was a thing. My wife told me about these things. I didn't even know they existed. And so I started doing research to understand what was out there. I said, well, I guess I'm going to be, a, I guess I'm going to be one of those, one of those guys who does psychedelics. Cool. Let me try it. And my very first experience was with a medicine, a plant medicine called DMT. Oh shit. So DMT stands for dimethyltryptamine. And basically it's a, it's a neurotransmitter, it's a neurochemical neurotransmitter. It's produced in the pineal gland. Pineal gland is called such because it's the shape of a little, a little pine cone about the size of a grain of rice that produces all types of wonderful chemicals, all types of interesting things. Um, it also produces melatonin, which is what puts us to sleep. And DMT is actually a naturally occurring uh, chemical in the brain. That's a byproduct of melatonin. It's actually the reason why when you're waking up in that half dream, half awake state, you can get visions and insights or hallucinations. This is already present in us. And there's, there's no other way to say this. Um, when you're exposed to these things, you will realize that you are God. I don't know what else to say. There's no other way to say it. It feels bad only to say that because it feels blasphemous, but it's not because you can't blaspheme yourself, <laughs> you know? You can't call yourself out, you know, it's me. So we went to the, um, the shaman's house, even the word shaman sound, woo, woo, right? Oh, this shaman, you know, again, 10 years ago, I would have punched myself in the face and said, you're being stupid. But now here I am talking about shamans in front of all my friends. And so we go to his house and it's, it's up in the woods. And, um, I thought that we were going to do ayahuasca. Ayahuasca is, it's a tea or a brew that has the DMT inside of it. And it's, it's something that you drink and it's a long experience. I wasn't familiar with what these medicines actually consisted of. And we go there and I said, all right, I'm ready to do the ayahuasca. Give it to me. He's like, no, we're not doing ayahuasca. We're doing, doing DMT. You don't have enough time for ayahuasca. I said, wow. Okay. Well, well you show me then. And so the DMT is something that can be vaporized. And the difference between this type of psychedelic and maybe just smoking marijuana is that when you're smoking weed, you know, smoke a little bit, you're like, oh, I'm starting to feel good. This is nice. Interesting. Yeah. You might have good conversations and, uh, you know, it's, it's chill. DMT is not like that. DMT, as soon as you inhale it, you just leave. It just grabs your soul out your body and just takes you and you don't have a choice. And when I was a kid, I always wondered what it would be like to go into a bookstore and absorb all the information in the books. Like, what would it be like if I could just beam all the information into my head? How would that feel? What would that feel like? How smart would I be? What could I build after I knew that stuff? And this, they call it the, the, uh, what, the, the, the spirit molecule. Yeah, the spirit molecule. Um, it shows you so much information that you already have access to that it expands your ability to perceive everything. And it's very hard to explain what it feels like to undergo this experience because your brain is quite literally being rewired in real time when you're in that experience to perceive the world in a way that it won't in everyday consciousness. Your neural, your uh, neurotransmitters are firing in irregular patterns that they don't in everyday life. So you'll see things that are impossible to replicate or to communicate. You'll see colors that don't exist. I mean, can you imagine a color that doesn't exist? No, because you're imagining it. You've seen it somewhere. You can't imagine a color that doesn't exist, but I can guarantee you they exist. That alone is an oxymoron. You think about the human vessel and how much we experience in this, this vessel we have to navigate this experience in life and think about the emotions that you have on a daily basis and the human brain and our consciousness 
is kind of like a flashlight or a camera. It can only focus on one thing at a time. Of course, we get distracted and we multitask, but our emotions tend to be focused on one thing. I'm feeling happy. I'm feeling sad. I'm feeling angry. I'm feeling excited. When you're going through this journey in this plant medicine journey, you can feel all the emotions of the human catalog superimposed on top of each other. Happy, sad, angry, bored, scared, excited, nervous, horny, all at once, all at once. And as you start to feel every emotion at the same time, it creates this vibrant, resonant energy and you explode into a trillion mirrored pieces and you shoot down the white tube into a complete void. Now you have the chance and the choice to go beyond the void. You have the opportunity, but even at that stage, parts of your personality are still clinging to you. They're still saying, no, 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 don't go, don't go, don't go, stay, 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 stay. And you have the opportunity and you can choose. But if you choose to leave your ego, yourself, your identity, your personality behind, no more Daniel, no more Nathan, no more Karik, you leave that behind, what you discover is that you are God. What you discover is that every individual is a unique perspective of the universal consciousness. Every individual is just one lens, one looking glass through which we can all experience and realize that every human is experiencing simultaneously. And the, the culmination of that simultaneous experience is God consciousness, God experiencing it all at the same time in synchronicity. And you get just a brief chance to taste what it's like to feel the entire consciousness of the human race, prehistory, everything that the world has gone through to evolve to get to this point. And you understand that for just a fraction of a second and then you're gone. And when you leave the space and it's a short journey and you leave the space and there's so much information that it's impossible to take it all with you. It's like, you know, you can only take so much baggage back with you on the airplane, right? You take your, your favorite things, you know, just to carry on, only take a small amount. But what this does for you is it expands the space so that you can fit more in there. It's almost like building a room onto your house. Even if it's an empty room, you know, now there's a space for something that wasn't there before, you know, that there's something more and you start to pick up on these things and you start to see all around you, the fact that things are falling into place synchronistically. So going through these journeys and starting to put the dots together, starting to come full circle and understand why I'm here. So, um, <laughs> over the next few years, I went pretty deep and in the past three or four years, I, I lost count. I'm a, I'm like 14 or 15 journeys in and discovering more every time. And the interesting thing about this entire process, and this really, really what it comes down to is that it just takes you back full circle. When I was in Peru and I was doing this and I was completely, you know, completely feeling like I would touched something that was untouchable. And I feel like I was completely transformed. The shaman looked at me and he said, you don't need this medicine. You can get there without it. You don't need it. And I didn't understand it at the time. I didn't understand what it meant, what, what, the, what that would mean, how I could possibly live in that state and not be on drugs. We don't call them drugs. We call it plant medicine. Semantics are important for marketing. I'll send you an email, but. He told me, you know, you can get there through meditation. You don't need this. And I thought, yeah, you're crazy. In that ceremony in Peru, I, ch <laughs> I'm just going to start saying all the buzzwords, crystals, gemstones, channel, like <laughs> I channeled, I channeled, um, these ancient, ancient Indians essentially. And of, of that region, which is in the Amazonian basin. And I started speaking Quechua, which is obviously a language I don't speak, you know? start speaking in tongues. How much is that? That's not different from, from Sunday. That's, that's just church, you know, but having all these crazy experiences, then having really experienced guides tell me you can get there without this stuff. You don't need that. And then over the next few years, starting to realize that he was right. You don't need it. You don't need it. There are things like meditation, things that we do to bring us through things that we do to help us to go deeper. The way I like to explain it is meditation is like climbing the mountain. DMT is like taking a helicopter to the summit, you know, but it's going to the same place. It's going to the same place. And it's through these plant medicines that we can see what the potential is and we can see what the, we can start to understand the reference point for it. But once you understand the reference point, 
you know where you're headed. Just like once you know where home is, you don't need the GPS anymore. You can go there yourself. Starting to find that sense of the universal consciousness, the all-knowing, the being in flow, the Tao, as they call it, in my everyday life has been a bigger gift than the spiritual or the, the, the plant medicine aspect of this journey. Because you come to a point where after you've done enough work thinking about this stuff, going through these experiences, you realize that you're literally living inside of it every moment. You don't need to be awakened. You're already there, which will fuck you up. It's freaky. Hey there. Did you know that this isn't a podcast you're listening to? Okay, let me be more clear. This isn't just a podcast you're listening to. See, by listening to this show, you're actually part of the New Wave community. And because of that, I really want to meet you, IRL, in real life. Wouldn't it be nice to spend some time in a beautiful location, maybe a mansion by the sea with a chef-catered dinner, knowledgeable friends who really want to help you, a cello playing in the background, and, you know, an overall great ambiance? Doesn't that sound gorgeous? Well, we just created that at a recent New Wave dinner in LA, and I want you to be part of the next one. See, these dinner experiences are for entrepreneurs, career climbers, and creatives who want to build friendships with each other in real time, in real life, not just spending time chatting on the internet. We want to actually feel each other's presence, and we spend time together, uh, bringing our business problems, bringing our half-baked ideas, bringing our creative questions. Then over a, a wonderfully catered meal, we work together as a group to help, out, help each other untie these knots and dial in our focus. And afterwards, we go and relax. We take a dip in a pool. I always got a place with a pool or a jacuzzi, have some drinks. We do a little bit of partying. And you will leave this experience with connections and brand new ideas and budding relationships. And you might even find your next co-founder or your next investor sitting right next to you. But more importantly, you are going to leave with a jumping off point, some momentum to go into this next phase of your life, this next chapter, uh, some new ideas that you didn't have before, something that's been enhanced that you know you have confidence in. Now you're going to build that inner momentum. And that's what's so important. And of course, when you're there, I'm also going to bless you with some new wave merch. If you've been looking at my photos, I'm constantly making new merch and new gear just to show the community that, you know, we got something special going here. So make sure you check out the next new wave dinner experience. Now we're doing these all over the country and potentially all over the world. We did our first one in LA. We're going to be doing them in Austin, New York, Miami, and a few other cities. Plus most likely we're going to hit the UK or Europe. So make sure you go to newwaveentrepreneur.com to check out all the dates. We'll have them all listed there. And of course, you can uh, you can sign up. There's going to be about 10 to 12 people per location. So this isn't a massive um, conference. This is a 10 to 12 person event. And that means that it's purposely designed for you to meet people, to engage with them, and to have a whole hell of a lot of fun. So make sure you check out newwaveentrepreneur.com to get all the dates and locations for the next one. I, I believe... Depending on when you're listening to this, the next one is in Austin this summer, and it'll be all over the country. So sign up, and now let's get to the episode. So for the past, I don't know, year or so, I have felt different. I have felt a lot different, and that's that's just real. I remember one time I came back from uh, from uh, a journey I'd done, and over the next few weeks, I was very quiet. I didn't really have much to say. And when I came out of that state, Sarah said to me, she said, personality is changing, isn't it? Like, yeah, it really is changing. One of my biggest fears before doing all this work, before digging really deep inside me, was that I, I wouldn't value the things that I valued anymore, and that scared me. One of those things was I was afraid that I wouldn't be motivated or ambitious to go make money anymore. I was afraid that I would just want to give up all my earthly desires and move off to the, the Amazon, you know? Um, and I'm not in the Amazon, but I can tell you one thing. But I can tell you one thing it does do is is, is I believe that these journeys do reduce or sometimes completely eliminate your desire to want to reach for those material aspects of life, not because they're not fun or not because they're not important for us to live, but because they're all made up. We're making this shit up. So the hunger for something that's not real will never be satisfied. You know, there's never enough money you can make to satisfy the hunger because it was never about money. It's something else that you're seeking, whether it's security, love, compassion, it was never about the money. And so, yeah, it did change my personality. I went from very like Gary V-ish, some more just like, fuck it, you know? Doesn't mean that I stopped working on my projects. Doesn't mean that I stopped pursuing what I wanted with aggression, but allowing myself to be in the flow, not having to compare myself or having to race 
or having to run. You know, Stuart Wilde says the sage is content to stay at the back of the line because the line's going to move no matter what. You don't have to race and push to the front. You don't have to try to be the best and better than others. You don't actually have to because <laughs> everyone else is doing their own thing anyway. It doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter. None of this matters. But so starting to realize these things as I'm going through this. And yeah, my personality did change a bit. And part of that was just through some of the things that I've seen over the past couple of years. You know, one of the things that I saw in these journeys, it was, this one was in Peru, was I saw what it would feel like. And I felt deeply what it would feel like for my entire family to die. And I had to witness that. And we all know that there's no difference between what happens in our mind and what happens, you know, um, in the real world in terms of our neurological perception. They've done studies of this where they show that if you shoot free throws in your mind, it fires the exact same pathways as it does when you actually shoot the free throw. We know that we can light up our own pathways, okay? That's the power of the human brain. And so when you feel something deeply and you're convinced that it's happening, that's the same thing as it happening. It's the same thing. And so I was shown what it would be like for my entire family to die. And I'm not just talking about die, I'm talking about wiped off the map. Every person I'd ever known and loved and trusted and put a name to a face, gone. And I had to sit with that and understand what that would feel like. And then it showed me what it would be like for me to die and for them to have to carry on without me, even to the point of seeing my girlfriend at the time move on without me and having kids without me and seeing my mom cry over the casket and seeing all that and being able to internalize that and feel that going through stories of basically me talking to myself. And there was a, I'm thinking now there were, there were even times where I would feel like I had a, um, a, a black serpent around around my neck and I knew the serpent represented something deeper inside me I had to solve and wrestling with that feeling the inner turmoil as I dissolved it so going through these experiences fucking changes your personality I don't know what to say it's gonna be different afterwards you know it ain't the same it just ain't the same and what I've learned through all that and through going deep with meditation I recommend too if you guys haven't read Joe Dispenza's book uh, Becoming Supernatural super recommend um I went to one of his seminars in, in, uh, September in Toronto last year. And he took us on an eight day, he took us on an eight day retreat where we went deep and we were meditating for two to four hours sometimes. And the shaman was right. You go to the same place, DMT out my fucking body, astral plane and around and zooming around Toronto and, and going through, um, going through that process has taught me really about living in the Tao. Has anyone here read the Tao? Tao Te Ching? Yeah. It's, it's. It's awesome. Um, the Tao is an ancient Chinese book of philosophy. It's a book of poetry, and it teaches us how to live in accordance with nature, the flow of nature, the flow of life, understanding how to interact with the, w the world in a way that is seamless, you know, being able to do what, what, um, it's called Wu Wei. It's called doing non-doing. It's literally doing inactivity, doing nothing and yet having it happen to you teaches you how to live from that place. And so I started to adopt that mindset. What would it be like to live my life without pushing, without struggling, without effort? So many of us here, myself still at this time, struggle with struggling, struggle with putting out so much energy that we're exhausted, but the energy isn't spent on the things that actually moves forward. It's spent on the emotional rumination and the fear and the anxiety, and we essentially blow our load before we get there. You know, we don't even have a chance to materialize the things that we want to see in our lives because we spend all of our time worrying that we won't be able to create it. But that energy that you spend worrying is what you needed to create the thing. It takes energy to create. And that's really what wielding power is. Wielding that power, holding it in. So how do we do this? How do we start to call back this inherent power that's within us already, that already exists, that is the key to us living in alignment with the Tao, with our purpose effortlessly and flow. You know, I don't have all the answers. I can't proclaim to have that. I, I, I wouldn't, I don't want the answers. I don't fucking want the answers. But what I have found is that the easiest way to pursue that is through the path of mastery. And now when I look back and I realize how my life has lined up, I realize that it was about mastery, mastering a craft, mastering a passion that was born from a vision. This energy that we spent on things that don't matter, on the things that bother us, on the things that keep us up at night, on the things 
that hurt us that we should be letting go of is the energy that we need to master the areas of our life that will bring us the things effortlessly to align us to our path in a way that will set us free and take us home. Mastery. Committing yourself to learning something so deeply that you become it and then you dissolve into it. Most of us here are creatives. I know all you guys. You're all creatives. And what I also know is that so many of you are holding back on those projects, those ideas. And when you deny yourself the ability to express yourself in this way, in this creative way, it's like dying with handcuffs on. You die before you're free because the freedom is through the mastery. The mastery leads to the self-discovery. And so you have to you have to take off these handcuffs yourself. And you can only do that by committing to the path, this way of the warrior, as they call it. So now you have to choose, you know, how are you going to create? What's on your heart? What is meaningful to you? And there's no right answer. And this is why it's, it's toxic to compare yourself to others because you're never going to live someone else's life. You're never going to play their game the way that they play it. You're never going to run their race. And you're not responsible to do such. Even if you're in the same city, in the same state, from the same family, in the same profession, you have your own race to run. And so it's figuring out what it is for you that mastery means. For me, you know, my first foray into mastery was writing. How can I become the best writer I could be? What does that mean? Well, it really just means practice, 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 practice. You know, a lot of us practice things that we don't care to master, yet we practice them all the time anyway. We practice we practice habits that we master, but that hurt us. You know, we pre I'm practicing drinking right now. I've mastered it. You know, we practice relationships with people that we don't care to be in relationship with. And we master those relationships because we stay in them, but they hurt us. We're always committing our time and our energy to things. And through that time and energy, we master those things. But you have to be then conscious of the things that you're mastering. And you can find yourself through these crafts, finding things that help to develop you, to strengthen you to grow you. For me, it was writing. It's not really hard to master something because the thing about mastery is that you're never there. And the thing about mastery is that it's not about the results. It's about the process. Just like life. There is no end. Let me tell you how this is going to end. You're going to die. That's it. That's it. So we already know the ending. The answers aren't at the end. They're on the journey. You're not going to, on your deathbed, get the epiphany with the, with the download. The download is already happening every day. It's like a really, really slow dial-up connection that's like, like dripping you, dripping you, dripping you every single day, a small piece of that download. So through mastery, learning to find yourself and learning to understand what your unique calling is. Because let me tell you what happens when you commit to mastery of whatever it is that's important to you. You start to see the path. It lights up in front of you. Because then when you're committing to a craft, you're dedicating yourself to something, you don't have to think about what to do next. It's presented to you. That's how you live in the Tao. That's how you live in the flow. When you're mastering a craft and you're on that path, the next move is shown to you. And then that's when the struggle disappears because you don't have to struggle. All you have to do is follow the directions. Just follow the directions. Because of course, we're all worried about whether we're doing it right, whether we're making the right decision, whether we went to the right school, did we accept the right job, did we start the right business, did we get the right relationship. But if you're on the path and you're aware of the signs and you're committed to mastery, it will be obvious what to do next. There's a, a good quote I read recently. Um, I think it was in James Clear's book. And this is another good one. Um, uh, Atomic Habits. You guys should pick that up too. I'm just giving book references. Um, he said that it's not worrying about the score of the game that's important. It's worrying about the plays, you know, every single day, every single moment being a play that you're making, you know, then the score will take care of itself. If you're doing the work, the result takes care of itself. Wayne Dyer once asked, he said, what would it be like to live your life like a masterpiece? What would it be like to live your life as if it were a masterpiece still in progress? Now, you wouldn't stand over Da Vinci's shoulder and like leave him snickering comments as he's painting it, would you? Be like, oh, you fix that and tunnel stuff. Looks like shit, you know? You wouldn't say that. You would allow him to paint knowing that he's the creator and he's the master. And whatever he creates at the end was what he wanted to create because he's doing it. You don't criticize masterpieces because they're all unique and individual. They're one of one, you know? That's the point of a masterpiece. It's the only one in the world that exists. And you are that masterpiece. What if you were to live your life from that perspective, that you are a masterpiece and a work in progress, rather than judging yourself in comparison to someone else's masterpiece or what you think it should look like at the end? If you've ever done 
anything creative before, you know that the product that you had in your mind and the one that makes itself known in the real world, they are always the same. And a lot of times what you create is better than what you imagined, but you won't know that until you start. Does everyone understand that? Yeah. You won't know that until you start. And so you think yourself out of doing the thing that's going to get you to the next step. That's going to give you the next clue. We're just following the breadcrumbs here. You know, one thing that always bothered me was that I was impatient and I wanted this to all happen faster. Had this idea for what I wanted for my life. And I thought that if I could just shrink the gap between where I was and where I wanted to be, that would make me happier. You know, I would be happier if I could get to the place where I would be happy faster. You know, <laughs> that's so asinine because we look at the future as again, disconnected from the now, but the future is just a now removed. It's just a series of now until you arrive and the future doesn't exist. It's all a series of nows. And so if you can't be happy now, you won't be happy in the future because the happiness isn't related to the achievement. We are obsessed as a culture with achievement and accolades, performance and possessions. And all those things are great. And I have some of those and there are others that I want. But every time I've gotten something that I've wanted, that joy that I thought was going to just course through my body and that, that state of elation only lasts for a minute. It only lasts for a minute. And then of course you set the next goal and you set the next vision for yourself. And so realizing that the happiness is on the way, the happiness is on the journey. It's not at the destination allows you to live in that. Now we look at these these, uh, these commercials where they'll show poor suffering children in other countries that aren't America, dear God. And our initial inclination as Westerners is to think because these people have less than us, that they're not happy. And it's not true that everybody is happy all the time, but if you'll talk to families in these cultures, people that actually know what's going on, they will tell you that people are usually very happy. And there's actually not a correlation between what you have accomplished, what you have and how you feel. There is no correlation. And a lot of times those who have the most are at their lowest and you would never know it. And so we're idolizing things and chasing things and searching for things. And it disappears like a ghost because when we get there, the thing we wanted has been achieved. So there's no more goal and we're still not happy. And to live from that perspective is one of constant anxiety and struggle always reaching, but never grasping. That's why now I don't resonate with the Gary V mentality of always getting. It's great if you want to own the jets, but then what? You're going to sit back and be happy. You won't be happy. You won't be happy because there will always be something else. And because of the fucking jets, <laughs> you know? And so then the only answer is to be happy now, to live your life now. I've almost missed out on this presentation because I was so focused on what I'm going to do in September when we're in London. I said, stop, stop, stop. You're here now. I don't want to look back on my life like an Instagram story and just remember what I did. I want to be there while I'm there. The technology that we have has changed the way that we look at the world because we're always looking at things retroactively. It takes us out of the now. I watch my own stories more than anybody else just to remember what I did that day. Am I the only one who does that? Do you guys watch your own stories? Fucking psychos. And I realize how much of the time I spend, or at least in the past, I've spent thinking of things I could do to show everyone what I was doing, to look back on that, to say I did that, but never being there the whole time. Wasn't there. Went skydiving so I could get the awesome footage so I could talk about how awesome it was. And I don't even remember skydiving. I only have the videos. So we're living our life like that. We're always thinking about the next thing, the next time we're going to be happy, the next possibility for us. And we're not here. And here is all there is because guess what? You could be gone tomorrow. You could be fucking gone tomorrow, today, tonight. You could leave wielding power tonight and get hit by a fucking taxi, you know? And you never know. You absolutely never know. So if you're not here now, where are you? I, I can't express how happy I am that everyone's here. This is, this is literally a dream come true. It's quite literally come from dream to reality. And it has come true. We have some incredible speakers here tonight. You guys are going to be blown away. One of the, well, I hope I'm not sitting the bar too high. I don't think I am. I'm sure you guys will be blown away. But one of the things that I've really prided myself on is bringing great people together. 
that's one of my superpowers. So I want you to take the opportunity to meet people tonight, to get to know each other, to have fun, to have laughs. We have a lot of great conversations to be had. We're gonna have some great food. We're gonna have a wonderful experience uh, at the end of the night. So I appreciate you guys. I love you. Welcome to Willing Power. Ah, my friends, I hope you enjoyed today's episode as much as I enjoyed recorded for you in 2019. And make sure you check out the rest of what we have to offer at newwaveentrepreneur.com. Like and subscribe to the show on whatever platform you're listening to it on. The water is warm. The tide is rising. So everyone jump on in and surf this new wave. Daniel, 